Welcome to No Small Jobs, uh, where we explore people's careers, how they got there, and why they got there. I am your host, Paul Newen. Uh, so, this is our fourth episode. Um, so far, things seem to be going pretty well, but uh, don't forget to listen to our previous podcast. We've got a hypnotherapist, we've got a quality care nurse, and our very first one, an occupational therapist. If you're ever wondering what those terms mean, please have a listen to our previous podcasts. They can be found on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, and where Wherever you get good podcasts. Um, you can also find it on our website, nosmalljobspod.com.au. Um, and don't forget to like us, find our Facebook page, uh, follow us on Twitter. And soon enough, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can develop enough content to justify existing on Instagram. Who knows? Maybe we'll find something. Uh, so today, my guest is Jean. Jean is a dentist and a Pilates instructor specializing in working with dentists. Hi, Jean. Hi, how are you going? Good, good. How are you? Really good. All right, thanks for coming on. So let's um, where shall we start? Let's let's go let's go chronologically, shall we? So dentistry. Yes. What brought you to dentistry? So I think I'm quite lucky in the sense that I came to dentistry as I felt like at the time when I was in high school that dentistry was a bit of a calling for me, and so when when it was time to choose you know, careers and things like that, everyone was saying, oh, you need to put medicine, you need to put something like that. But Because, sorry, <clears> just, just for listeners out there, Jean is Asian. And so, <laughs> so really the only, the only specialties allowed, the only jobs allowed are doctor and anything less than doctor is, you know, Somewhat of a failing. Yeah. No, look, to be honest, I'm very, very lucky because my parents were not like that at all. And um, unlike most of my friends, I was allowed to choose my career provided it was not, you know, too out of the ordinary, like, you know, vet was a stretch. But um, <laughs> Anything creative, like, mm, no, you're out of the family. Yeah, definitely no. Creativity, that's for later. So, no, but I did, I did always want to do something in health sciences and I knew I didn't want to be a doctor, um, mostly for lifestyle reasons. So, um, I had a look into the other options available and I just really, really like the idea of dentistry because I'm a bit OCD and Mm -hmm. very detail orientated. And so it seemed like a really good fit. And at the time, I really genuinely felt like it was, you know, my calling to help people and that this was a niche that I could be, you know, very good at because I I was quite hands-on with things and I really, really enjoyed, you know, fine detail work and all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, I was very lucky that... I did get my first preference and it just kind of went from there. So what is involved in training to be a dentist? So at the time when I was going through, it was a five-year undergraduate degree. Um, however, now I think there are many, many pathways. There's a few um, postgraduate options and um, I think uh, if you do go the postgraduate route, it's something like seven years, but at the time it was five years and I think there's still a few universities that offer the five-year undergraduate program, which you know, it doesn't matter which path you take. It's just how long it takes you to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, from from what I remember, and actually, no, I might be confusing with pharmacists, with dentistry, how how broadly does it go? I mean, do you literally spend five to seven years learning about teeth or do you also learn about other anatomy and physiology? I think nowadays, um, the course, if it's a condensed postgrad course, it's a lot more tooth orientated. But when I was going through, sort of the first two years were basic sciences, um, 
a lot of things we never use, like chemistry. I remember having to memorise the Krebs cycle and for the life of me, I have no idea why. So, but once it became a bit more dental orientated, it was very hands-on and definitely vocational training. I always say that dentistry really is just an apprenticeship that they put into the university system because it really should be. There's there's so much hands-on, you know, contact hours and that's probably more important than the nitty-gritty of the science in a lot of ways. And so, I mean, in medicine, you know, it's uh, your your years at uni are to some degree hands-on, but you're not really practicing as a clinician. You spend, uh, you're still always on the outside looking in and then you have your internship and residency and whatnot. As a dentist, are you saying that 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 kind of internship model is embedded within the course? I think it used to be a lot more hands-on when I was going through. Um, It's interesting because now I think because the course is a bit more condensed and there's a lot more students in every cohort that goes through, they probably don't get as much hands-on time. And I think even if they had made the entire course hands-on, that's probably still not enough hands-on because you really, it, it really is all about on the tools, you know, on the tools work and um, getting the experience with like physically seeing patients. You know, we can, it can be theoretical and you do need the theory, but it's mostly about, you know, the hands-on stuff. Okay. And so what happens after you graduate? What do you have to think about or what do you have to do? Um, Mostly it's get a job. And so with dentistry, interestingly, because it's not really part of a public health system as much as it should be, I think, um, you end up trying to find a a, a position and depending on sort of what path you want to go you can either go directly into private practice or you can nowadays there's other options like going into a corporate setting or a public system so it's just sort of what you're interested in and quite frankly what's available you know you you sort of take the job that's available when you first graduate and then you move around until you find something you know where you're more comfortable I mean I always found that fascinating having been in the health system now since 2007 um that dentistry seem always seems to exist outside the medicare system i never could never quite comprehend why like i remember a few i don't know what five years ago they introduced the 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 dental scheme where you could get like x amount of funding it was like a thousand dollars or something but then for some reason like it was it was taken up almost too well and then it got quickly abandoned i could never <laughs> it was figure too out expensive. why yeah. um i think i mean the the running joke is that we're just an allied health profession you know <laughs> like a lot of dentists take themselves super seriously but at the end of the day we're an allied health profession and you know not a very big subset either so you know it's it's funny because you know you sort of when you're at work you sort of think oh, i'm doing this really really important thing but then if you really think about it it's just one tooth that you're working on sometimes. And it is very important, mm. but, you know, can't take yourself too seriously. I've always wondered with, with dentists, so as part of a standard, what's called scaling clean, what exactly mm. are you looking for? Like, what's all, what's all the pokey instruments for? <laughs> this one is the gouger. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's a Simpsons reference for anyone who doesn't know. Um, so, basically, it's a, a checkup. And so a checkup, a scale and a clean is basic it's basic dentistry. It's the routine stuff that we do to make sure that the oral hygiene is on point and that you don't have any cavities. And it's it's really preventative. And I think prevention is something that's really um, not not understood well enough by most people because people tend to want to turn up for treatment when they have problems. And uh, it's hard sometimes to... Uh, make people understand that if you turn up when there isn't a problem 
and we can pick things up before they become a bigger problem, then it's really it, it's really a lot better going forward because once we pick up a drill, that tooth is committed to a lifetime of restorative work. And if we can avoid that, that would be good. So the pokey stuff, that's just to check, one, the health of your gums and two, whether there is any cavities and things. Um, it's... It's the bread and butter of what we do. Okay. Uh, I mean, do you feel that there are any misconceptions about you as a dentist? Um, that we are somehow like, you know, we enjoy inflicting pain on people. That's probably <laughs> the, the biggest one. Um, I get a lot of, oh, I really don't like to see you kind of mm. thing. And like, we never take it personally. But uh, I think, yeah, dentistry can be quite like a, a, a depressing job in a way because most people don't come to see you unless they have to. So they're not super keen to walk through your door. But at the same time, it's also very uplifting when you do, you know, convert someone who may be a bit fearful into a regular attender or if, you know, they they turn around and say, you know, I really, that wasn't so bad, you know, I, I was really scared and now I'm not. So that part of the job is really satisfying. But the other part of the job, which is a lot of negativity and people bring a lot of negative energy in with them, that part you really have to learn to manage um, within yourself. Otherwise, it can really get you down. And uh, look, one would argue that within private practice of any health industry, that's the same thing. I mean, yes, I, 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 work I, in, I work in mental health and yes. that can be really yes. quite um, disheartening in that, <clears throat> you know, you know, in, in health general, but no one ever comes to you going, hi, I'm just here for a chat. Yes. Let's, just, let's yes. just have a bit of fun. It's always like, here are my problems. Yes. Um, and particularly in mental health, when when your problems don't, um, your mental issues don't go away. They don't disappear. Yeah. They simply just subside for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then when the next stressor comes up, then they come up again. And it, it, I guess from my perspective, you can start feeling really... Um, defeated, Bogged down. you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for you, I guess, uh, is that what? What sort of this segues in nicely? What was <laughs> what was the motivation for you to sort of make the switch over? Well, not switch over, but at least um, add in the Pilates part of your career. Honestly, that was completely unplanned. So, I never went into dentistry thinking I'd ever be anything other than a dentist you know I was very lucky I have one of those one word job titles and Mm. I plan to keep it that way because I didn't want to write down six words whenever I had to fill in what my job is but um, I got into Pilates because I hurt my back so that the other part of dentistry is that it is a very physically demanding (laughs) career in a I think in a way that people don't really realize when they get into it how much um, of your own body you have to put on the line for the job. Mm-hmm. And so two years, it was about two years out of dental school, I um, popped a disc. And so I basically I was off work for, you know, a, a significant amount of time and Pilates really helped me rehab. And from there, I just kept up Pilates just as a hobby, as everyone does, uh, you know, sort of oiling the cogs and just keeping things going. And Somewhere along the line, I sort of thought, you know, I'm doing this Pilates a lot and I'd like to know what is behind it and how it works more so than just here's a set of exercises that I've been given. Why is this working? And I think that's a uh, that's just something that I like to do is just delve deeper into things that I'm interested in, like, you know, sort of find the why behind the how. So ended up doing a Pilates course and 
it really was a, a teaching course, so to teach you to be an instructor. And I went into it thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just going to learn, you know, the theory behind it all so that I can apply it to my own practice and improve myself a little bit more. And as I was going through the course, I sort of realised I actually enjoy the teaching. And as part of the course, we had to do 200 hours or so of, you know, teaching people. And it made me realise that, you know, being a Pilates instructor is actually a very uplifting and a very positive career because everyone's happy to be at the, you know, at the studio, at a Pilates studio. They're working on themselves. They're working on their fitness. They're working on their, you know, um, mobility just and people walk away from a session feeling better, which is something that we don't really get in a dental setting as often. And so it's all the best parts about dentistry, the problem solving, you know, the um, – the helping people, you know, improve themselves minus some of the, you know, some of the negatives that come with dentistry. And having said that, I would never, ever not want to do dentistry in some capacity because I think, you know, it's it's part of my identity in a way and uh, I, I don't think I'd want to give it up completely in any, you know, any, any way, but having both is has been a really really interesting journey for me and in a way I get to do both now and it's a nice balance of the technical hands-on as well as the sort of more um, teaching and nurturing side of you know work so yeah it's it's actually been a really interesting and really really satisfying part of my working career. And is there a reason why you've uh, chosen to sort of uh, target the niche market of dentists for your Pilates? Yes, absolutely. So I feel like it's the people that I can help the most because dentistry impacts on your body in a very specific way. And all the dentists or nearly all of the dentists I talk to all have the same physical issues. And I get it because I feel that too when I'm working. And, you know, the positions that you put your body in as a dentist, probably nobody else is really going to put themselves in that position. So Pilates is about movement and it's like movement therapy is what I call it. So it's using movement to improve, you know, Uh, how you feel and to prevent injuries in the future. And there are specific exercises that I feel are particularly important for dentists. And they're the same ones that I use myself. So I felt like rather than just working with the general public, I felt like I was of more benefit to helping a specific subset of the community that other Pilates instructors may not be able to help quite as much. Mm. Uh, and I guess, so at the moment with your Pilates mm. instructor, you're doing that as your own business, aren't you? Yes. So I have a little studio of my own and I do, so it sounds a little bit insane when I say it out loud, but I do three days of clinical dentistry and well, two days of clinical dentistry plus a day of teaching and the, of dentist and dental students, sorry, I should say. Um, and then I do Pilates in the evenings after my son's gone to sleep and I just try and fit it all in around family duties and, you know, making sure that, you know, I, I have everything done at home as well. So it probably, when I think about, when I sit down and think about it, which I don't get time to do, <laughs> but when I sit down and think about it, I probably do quite a bit more than I should, but I really enjoy everything that I do. So I find it very hard to give up anything. 
Yeah. And look, um, I guess for me, what's, what started this whole podcast journey was the idea that I don't, I don't think I've ever truly liked my job. So, so if I, if I mm. conceptualize the same thing, um, it's sort of in your shoes. Like if I imagine myself working my current job and, mm. and tacking on looking after a family and looking after a household and all that, I probably would feel exhausted. But from uh, having spoken to a number of people about people who genuinely love what they do, it's quite remarkable what you're capable of and what like the amount of things you can fit in because if it doesn't feel like work, then it won't be work. Yes. And that's what it sounds like for you. I think... To be honest, before I started Pilates, I did experience burnout with dentistry. So I think most dentists would go through it. Um, We often work quite long hours. I used to work five, six days a week. This Mm. was prior to kids. And because dentistry is such a physically demanding and um, mentally and emotionally demanding job at times, it was very easy to sort of get disillusioned with the entire industry and think that, you know, it's it's quite negative. Mm. Um, and it certainly is to some extent. And it depends on the practices that you're working for and things like that. But now that I've found a lot of a better balance and I've realised that there's so much about dentistry that I do enjoy, mm. but if I did it full-time or more than full-time as the case may be, it it really does drain you and you really have to find time to recharge yourself. And for me, doing the Pilates is a real recharge and it's it's almost like a yin and yang kind of thing, which sounds a bit silly, but I feel like with dentistry, I give a lot of my energy and I give a lot of myself to my patients and, you know, the work that I do physically and mentally. With Pilates, I almost feel like I get a lot from my clients because it's, it's more of a friendship sort of thing. You know, you're chatting about your day and in the meantime, you're helping them exercise and what have you. But they're the ones doing the work. Whereas in dentistry, I'm the one who's performing the task. And so it's a very, it's a very different mindset and it's a, it's a good way to balance out the day. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you would never giving up, give up being a dentist for the, for the, because Full it's time. part of your identity. You know, I, I don't think I would ever um, surrender my um, money. My <laughs> pardon? Money. No, no. Do you know what? I'm a really not, I'm a very unprofitable dentist. <laughs> like uh, it, it is surprising how little I make some days because I find it very difficult to um, overprescribe as others may. As one would hope you should be. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a very preventative forward dentist yeah. and I spend a lot of time on things like oral hygiene instruction and teaching people to floss, which you can't charge for. But um, <laughs> at the same time, I'm also quite cautious in my treatment planning. I try not to do too many irreversible, you know, uh, treatments that are unnecessary in my opinion so yeah it's I'm not the right person to talk to if we're talking about (laughs) money in dentistry that's for sure um but having said that I I there's some things about dentistry that I really enjoy and and it's a hands-on aspect in some ways like Mm. if I've finished a procedure if I finished a filling and it's like really really well done you get a sense of satisfaction and it's I mean, it's almost like if you're, you're an, I don't know, a potter or something and you make a really nice pot. It's mm. kind of that sort of feeling. And I don't think that I could do that in a different 
in a different setting. So that part of it I do really enjoy. And I do really enjoy when patients come back and they've had great results. And um, But having said that, I get to scratch that itch with my Pilates because often I'll have clients come back and they'll have really, you know, great improvement in their core strength or great improvement in their mobility. And I get that same sense of satisfaction. So like that's the hit that I'm looking for in my working life. And I guess, which which I guess leads to the idea of, do you, do you ever wonder whether your attachment to dentistry is just inertia? Just the idea that you're so, it's, it's been such a part of you, you invested all this time and identity into it, that giving it up would almost feel like, like a, like a bit of a waste. Can you know, if, if, cause I, I guess, what I what I kind of want to know uh, is about the idea of job satisfaction. Mm. Is the idea of what what do you and you've you've gone into this in a lot of detail, which mm. is great. The mm. idea of what is it that you get out of the jobs that you do, mm. um, and you've even just then sort of acknowledged that the the feeling of uh, results and the feeling of pride in your mm. work and being sort of uh, hands on and engaged with a client or patient or whatever label you want to put on them. That, that's obviously quite important to you. But if you're getting the same feeling out of two jobs where one you feel like is taking your energy away and the other you're getting energy back, is it really to your in your best interest mental health-wise and job satisfaction-wise to continue with a job that is taking stuff away from you? But I think giving is not always negative. Mm. And so, you know, like, for example, that another example is parenting. Like, mm. I feel like... I give the most when I'm doing my parenting duties, but I also really, really love that as well. But I feel the most exhausted after a day with my son. Mm -hmm. So the amount of, you know, it's giving of energy, I think, is not necessarily a negative thing. And I think for me with dentistry, there probably is a lot of the, there there are a lot of aspects of dentistry as a, I guess as a business or as uh, what's the word like uh, like running the business of dentistry that I don't really like mm-hmm. and I'm very very fortunate that I'm now working at clinics where I feel supported and I can do the dentistry that I want to do whereas in the past uh, particularly as a new grad I found that perhaps I was doing the dentistry that I felt like I should do whereas mm. now I do have the confidence to say, no, I don't want to work in this manner. I'm going to work the way that I want to work. If that doesn't suit your practice, then perhaps I shouldn't be here. And it took me a long time to get to that point. And dentistry became a lot more enjoyable once I got there. What do you... I, I, I agree with that, actually. My, that sentiment I, I experienced myself, certainly early on. Um, the, the focus was a lot on patient attraction and patient retention. So how do you try and make the person want to come back? Uh, and that wasn't, that's not good medicine. Like you, you want, you want them to like you for you, because if you have to keep pretending to be someone else in order to attract them, then it becomes exhausting to sort of uh, act in a certain way. So for you, what do you think it was that gave you that confidence? I think I just got older. Mm. Um, I graduated dentistry when I was 22 and at that point, I was actually surprised anyone let me do anything to them because looking <laughs> back, I was very young. But they, um, they also probably didn't know any better. So yes, that's true. Um, we all, you know, we, we all just muddled through our first years, and there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of schools of thought within dentistry, and um, some of the louder voices tend to be a bit more commercial, and. 
I think it really depends on who you work for and your boss really dictates the experience that you're going to get because dentistry is still a cottage industry for the most part, you know. Uh, It's becoming more corporatized, which is a problem in itself. But when I graduated, it used to be you had bosses and you had associates. And as an associate, you practice the way that your boss wanted you to practice because that's the culture of the clinic that's set. And I always had, you know, I've never actually worked at a practice where I felt uh, forced to do anything that I didn't want to do. But Mm. at the same time, I was also, you know, less able to, you know, speak up if I wasn't 100% happy with how things were going. So um, I think now that I'm a little bit older, I really really am not afraid to speak up about how I want to practice. And I have quit jobs because of this, um, because I wasn't happy with how the practice was running and how the the ethos of the practice is. Um, Having said that, I've also worked at other practices that have been excellent. And so it really is just finding what works for you. And dentistry is a small business at its core because it's not part of the you know, the Medicare sort of system. So it, the your, you know, that saying your mileage may vary really does apply with dental practices. So finding a practice that you feel comfortable with is really, really important. Having said that, when you're a new grad, you take the job that you can get and mm. you just do the best that you can. I think the most important thing for new graduates would be to not lose their sense of ethics no matter where you end up. I mean, that can be tricky, though. So Very tricky. Uh, you know, I, I guess, the, which, which uh, this conversation is going very smoothly. The, um, <laughs> the, the other question I wanted to ask you about was starting your own business. So, this, mm. this always fascinates me mm. because I've never... Um, so, let's start again. Once I, once I finished my GP fellowship, mm. I, I was a contractor. And so, yes. for, for, according to ATO, hi ATO, um, <laughs> I am an independent business, right? Yes, so, yes, as yes. I had to manage my own finances. Yes, but really, there's yes. not much in the way of... There are some Staffing expenses. Yes, yeah, all, all the other stuff, yes. the, the true stresses of starting to run a business. But That's right. um, it always seems to me that starting a, a business or, or starting a, a new venture, particularly when it can be quite um, quite scary, it's quite, quite a daunting task to sort of go from nothing. What do you think are important factors in being able to to do that with confidence? And particularly, like you said, you mentioned sort of new grad and them holding on to the ethics at the same time, if financial, uh, if there are financial Finances consequences. Finances are like a reality. Yeah. At the end of the day, what nobody does their work as a charity because we all have to live. Except charities. Well, even they (laughs) pay themselves a wage because the the people that run it still have to live, you know. And, you know, we – I think a lot of people get into healthcare because they are, you know, they have the desire to help people. And the desire to help people and, the you know, the desire to make money can sometimes be a real conflict. Mm. And it's – I think it's quite hard to strike that balance. And like my my guide with that is, would I be happy to do this to my family members? And if the answer is yes, then you know, obviously, it is the correct thing to do. And but in going back to what you were saying in terms of starting a business, I would never want to own a, a dental clinic myself because the idea of having to manage staff 
and relationships with staff and do paperwork and, you know, all of that sort of thing, really, that's not anything remotely close to what I want to do. And having said that, I was more than happy to start my own Pilates studio because it's a much smaller undertaking and a lot more in my own control. Mm. And I think that's the difference. You know, for me, I can manage a business where I'm the sole person involved and I get to make 100% of the decisions. And going back to my OCD, I'm definitely not a control freak. That's <laughs> definitely not, no, that, not, that's not me at all. <laughs> but um, I think the idea of having to delegate and to rely on other people to do the right thing, I just don't think I have that patience. Um, whereas I can rely on myself to get what I want done. And if it doesn't work, then it's on me. And I'm totally okay with that. And I guess to some degree, it, it in a way, it helps that the business in and of itself is small. Because, I mean, yes. what, what would you do if if you took off? Let, let's say for whatever reason, word got, word got out, you became really popular. And all of a sudden, you were your time was dominated by either classes or managing your small business. What would you do then? I don't know that I'd want that. I would want to keep my business very niche. And I mean, I don't want to work with everybody. I only want to work with the people that want to work with me. And I think I would rather see less people and give them more quality than, you know, uh, have somebody else come in. Yeah. Excuse me. (laughs) Sorry. Do you envisage doing this the rest of your life? The way, like, in sort of the combination of how you're working now with sort of part-time dentistry and teaching plus the Pilates? I I think I'd like to retire at a reasonable age. What do you define as reasonable? <laughs> well, my parents retired at about 55. And so that was always the goal for me. I don't want to work until I'm in my 70s, which is the statistics now. And so I feel like a lot of what I'm doing now is hopefully building something for the future so that I'm able to make, so retire is probably not the right word. Have the choice not to work as much. Mm. So I, I don't think I'd be doing it in my sixties or seventies, but I might, you know, still keep seeing a few clients that, you know, become more like friends and, you know, the classes are more of a social catch-up than an actual class Mm. that I can see myself doing or, you know, working half a day dental, you know, well into my more older age Mm. because I think that at that point I have the choice to walk away if I want to and – but I I don't know that I could do it forever and ever and ever. I don't know if that's the question you were asking, but yeah. that's where the answer went. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 uh, I think I've, I've mentioned this at least once and I probably will continue to mention it again. Um, but I think the current statistic is that people change jobs, not necessarily careers, but change jobs about 12 to 15 times in their lifetime yes. and stay in one job for an average of three years. Um, so, and that, that surprises me because uh, yeah. I, I know, I'm like you, I... Um, I only have envisaged doing the one thing. I just, going into medicine, becoming a doctor, I just assume that this is what I do for the rest of my yes. life because that's what yeah. my parents did. Yes, yes. Um, and now I'm, you know, I'm in my mid-30s uh, and I'm, I'm in the midst of doing something very different because yes. I didn't, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until 
I discovered what happiness actually was. Like I'd kind of gotten along with the job. And, and isn't done that it great that you discovered that in your 30s and not in your 50s or 60s? You know, like people in the past would be having, you know, a midlife crisis at 45, you know, and that's a whole 10 extra years or, you know, 15 extra years of being miserable. So. But but the question, I guess the question it begs, could this have been prevented? I mean, we talk about preventative stuff and certainly within GP land, preventative medicine, preventative dental care, that's really important stuff. But could Do we prevent job dissatisfaction by allow, by giving people the opportunity by as a sort of a, as a culture and a society, kind mm. of allowing our young our millennials and young students mm. to be able to say hey look do this thing for a while go mm. go study this pursue what you want but this is not no going to be what you do forever and it's okay if it's not see i think for me i feel like dentistry allows me allowed me to do pilates in a way because if it wasn't for the fact that i did dentistry and hurt my back i probably would have never gotten into pilates and i think what i do with my pilates and it being niche and dental i think that's what I that's the key is to find two areas of interest that you have that other people may not have and make that your own thing and I think that um, the fact that I'm able to combine both things that I'm interested in has really been the, the key to me being happy with what I'm doing and that way I can keep doing both and it's you know it's 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 something special that you know that I kind of created for myself. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned earlier about, um, we're talking about advice to, to young grads about maintaining mm. the ethics. Are there any other things that you wish you had known as a grad? I think dentistry is a very different industry now than when I graduated even 10 years ago. Um, I think it's a lot harder now for the new grads because there's so many more graduates and, you know, the the working conditions are probably not as good as when I graduated. Um, I think the main thing, I, I still come back to it, the main thing is you have to maintain your ethics and, you know, where you draw your line is up to you, but you need to make sure that you have a line drawn and that you don't cross it. And um, I think it's very easy to lose sight of that when there's a lot of pressures in the job. Um, the other thing that I would... I definitely recommend is always take time for yourself so with dentistry it's very easy to get caught up in okay I need to spend my entire life being a dentist I need to you know um, you know work so many hours or do so much you know extracurricular things that's revolving around dentistry and it is a big part of most of most dentists identity is being a dentist so um, I think part of that is if you find that you're feeling a little bit uh, suffocated in that sort of small environment, because everyone knows everybody in dentistry, it's really good to have a group of friends or like hobbies that are outside of dentistry as well to make sure that, you know, you keep some balance. All right. Uh, thanks for coming on to the podcast, Jean. I believe you have some things to plug. <laughs> yes. So, um, I run a my studio, which is Posture and Core Pilates, and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I haven't got a Twitter because I really can't get that to work at all, and I don't have enough thoughts in the day to really put them down. But definitely, um, if um, if you're listening and you're curious to see what I do, that's where you'll find me. 
Brilliant. All right. Uh, as for me, I've got a few plugs of my own. So as, as at the top of the, the podcast, uh, make sure you like our Facebook page. Uh, find us on our website, www.nosmalljobspod.com.au. I do have a Twitter, but I'm not sure how to use it particularly well. If anyone out there wants to teach me about it, feel free. I am very, very old. Maybe you need to interview a, a Twitter expert. Maybe. Or I need... <laughs> full-time Twitterist? Is that what they would be called? No, but there are people who are like full-time Instagram models. So maybe I need to see what, <laughs> what, what they're doing because they obviously know what they're doing. They, they've, they've got the market down. So you got to listen to the experts when they give you advice. <laughs> Um, but yes, feel free to, uh, and make sure you check out our other podcasts. We've got, uh, you know, we are a, it is a timeless podcast. You don't need to be up to date to, to uh, appreciate what's being said and what you could learn from it. Um, and if you are interested in being a guest, I've been reeling in anyone I can, uh, meet and imagine and friends are friends, but if you want to be a guest, if you want to talk about your life and, and share your story on the podcast, feel free to send me a message, post up your bio on Facebook, uh, do whatever you can to get in touch with me. And hey, even follow me on Twitter. That might help build up some numbers. Uh, but thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Remember, there are no small jobs, only jobs you haven't discovered yet.